This is an interview conducted by Margo Millard and Silvia Orozco, and we are interviewing Mr. Jose Francisco Trevino, Jr. It is, October, it is September 27th. 2012. <laughs> 2012, I was looking for the time, at around 11 o'clock in the morning, and we are at the Austin History Center in Austin, Texas. Okay, that's pretty close. That's pretty close, yeah. yes. Okay, so yes, he made this map, and we can read it. Mm -hmm. uh, Jose, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started? Okay, okay. Uh, I was born at the Seton Hospital on 26th Street when it was kind of northwest of uh, UT. 1941, June the 9th of 1941, at 9.30 in the morning, <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> And uh, at that time, we were living kind of like on Lydia Street and, well, by Guadalupe Church, the new one, on Lydia Street and 11th. That's the, we were about a half a block, maybe 40 feet from there, from 11th Street. And uh, we lived there till I was about five years old, and then we moved to South Austin, South Fifth and uh, Jewel Street about a block from Becker Elementary. Well, I remember, the things I remember about my East Side experience at that time, I used to, we lived close to Guajardo's grocery store, and we used to go there. My uncle used to take me there when I was a kid, and, and I barely remember that, because I must have been about five years old. And uh, right across our street, there was a, a fire station Kind of, it's not there anymore. They built it, they knocked it down. And I remember 11th Street, just about every night we could hear uh, Afro-American music like rhythm and blues or jazz or whatever. Big party all the time on 11th Street. And if you looked on 11th Street at that, when I was a kid, you could always see the lights over the building. And right at the corner, there was a grocery store, I mean a, a drugstore on 11th and Lydia Street I can't remember the name of that grocery store. <clears throat> I wouldn't think it was Ferris Grocery, I mean a drugstore, but I remember that drugstore, and right next across the street, I think there was a tower light. Uh, there's a, several here in Austin, I think right around here at the library, there's one here in, on Guadalupe Street. And, uh, well, I, I kind of remember Seton Hospital, I mean uh, Brackenridge Hospital, I think the main street going north and south was Highway 31, uh, 81. It was called uh, East Avenue, I think, at that time. And I remember we used to go, there, there used to be a, a, right on 11th Street, <clears throat> what used to be East Avenue, which now I think it's Frontage Road, I-35 heading south. There used to be like a gazebo at the very top of the, uh, of the well, it was a landmass, you know, a property. I don't know who owned it. And we, there was a, a round gazebo in that sense. I mean, it was a, <clears throat> like a platform. People would walk up there. It was on top of the hill, and we could look around the area. And I remember, I think it was 11th and East Avenue at that time. I think there was Bickler Elementary School. And my mother told me that she had gone there. Well, 
that elementary school had like a tower, which now is located at Zilka Garden. It used to be on the top of a, well, it was a, it was like a widow's, widow's watch, something like that. Now it's at the uh, Zilker Gardens area. And I remember the police station on 6th and East Avenue, I think it was a farmer's market right next to it. And then I think on uh, 9th Street, I remember there used to be a East Chicken Poultry Company. They, they handle just chickens. I guess they process them. <laughs> you and, your and your dad, could you tell us about your parents? Well, my dad, my dad, I think, well, he was, I think he went to seventh grade. I think Guadalupe Church was where he went, got it just as high as he went. His family came from northern Mexico and, and kind of like Nuevo Leon, Monterrey, Nuevo Leon. And they, they lived in a little town called Vialdama, which is west of, uh, now it's a toll road from Nuevo Laredo to Monterrey. I think it's Bustamante or Sabinas. They live in the mountains there. And his family, well, they were like, uh, they had like a, a, a bakery. They had like, a, the oven was uh, like Native American dome, but they were humongous. I got, Modesto and I got to see those. We, we visited the family there several times. In Bustamante? In, in, no, in Vialdama, Vialdama. And, uh, and what was your father's name? Jose Mendez Trevino. And your mother's name? Uh, Lydia White, well, Martinez at the time. Well, here's the thing. On my mother's side, her father came from Italy. He came up from Argentina, I think Brazil, Argentina, and then up to Chile, and then made his way to Laredo. That's where he met my grandmother. So. She has white as her last name, in Italian is Bianca. And that was my grandfather's name, his name was Henry. But he changed his name several times as he came north. I think he was illegal, you know, he was coming north. I'm almost sure he was, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm almost sure he was, because he never wanted to talk about himself or his, his past or, you know, too much about it. even his son. See, he told my uncles, he, now, these uncles of mine are my step-uncles, but I've always known them as my uncles, because that's the only uncles I've known. There were seven of them, my, my mother's brothers from her father, her natural father. Well, my mother had, has an, a sister with two girls and seven uncles. In Laredo, after I met my grandmother, they came to San Antonio, because he was headed north. He had family in Philadelphia. What do you remember what years these would be? Well, I would say in the 20s, early 20s, because my mom was born in 1920. And Your so, mother was born in 1920? Yeah. And where was that? Here in Austin. Okay. She was born here in Austin, primarily raised by her great-grandmother. Her mother passed away, she was like, I think, 34, 35, some illness. Hmm. And uh, my great-grandmother took care of them. I never got to know my grandmother. Interesting, this is an interesting thing. My mother's mother was born in San Marcos. Even though they came from Laredo, they, they had been to Austin to visit family and my great-grandmother was pregnant. And on the way back, 
she had to have her baby, <laughs> you know. So she was, they would, she was born in San Marcos, Texas. And, uh, well, my mother, my grandmother came to San Antonio with my grandfather. But I think traditionally in the old days, the youngest daughter took care of the mother in Mexican culture. And that's what happened. My, my, my grandmother, which is my mother's mother, wanted to go back to Laredo. She didn't want to go any further in San Antonio with my grandfather. Well, so that's what happened. She went back to take care of her mother, and my grandfather said, well, when, when I get established and everything, I'll send for the kids and you. The kids mean my mother and my aunt, my mother's sister. Well, they, he kept going north, I think in San Antonio, in Houston, Texas, he met my step-grandmother. She was from Louisiana, she's also Italian. And they got married, you know, and, and my grandmother, well, I guess they got divorced, you know. I don't, and from my grandmother, my step-grandmother, I've always known her. She's the only grandmother I've ever known since I was a little bitty kid. So, you know, like, I see her as my grandmother more than I see my real grandmother, <laughs> you know. And it's, I guess it's a case like, uh, <coughs> the only person, that, the way I feel about that is, of course, you have blood relations and you have uh, who, who raised you, you know. And, of course, a lot of times, I've, and I've experienced this, that uh, like one of my sisters had a daughter and after the daughter kind of was a teenager, so my, my sister asked if she wanted to meet her father, her real father, biological father, and she said, well, yeah, I'll meet him, but I, I don't really know him, but I'll go meet him. Well, they met, but she, that was it. There was no more inter, inter, interaction with him because she didn't feel it was her father because mm -hmm. he didn't raise her, you know. And I think that's what happened, you know, with my, my step-grandmother. I've always called her grandmother. I never called her step-grandmother. So anyway, that, that, that was on my mother's side. On my father's side, well, he had, uh, this is kind of interesting because in the past, I, I would say about maybe within a hundred years, his two, two brothers married two sisters. You You're know. talking about Jose? Jose Mendez Trevino, yeah, okay. my father. Okay. You know, two, uh, two, uh, two brothers married two sisters. His brother was who? I don't think my father has a brother. He just had a sister. He, he had a stepbrother. So but, these two brothers who married two sisters, what relation are they? Well, they were, I think they were my father's, they were on my father's mother's. Her, his mother, I think they were her parents. Ah, okay. You know, or, or maybe one step back. I have a I have a cousin in San Antonio that she has a very accurate genealogy of the fam of his family. Mm -hmm. And uh, her husband is my my blood cousin, primo hermano. You know, do you understand Spanish? See. Si. Okay. And you know, primo hermano is a, we just kind of grew up like brothers. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because about a year ago we went to a family reunion in San Antonio and his father was middle name was Trevino and I didn't know that. They're Macias. Hmm. Okay, and, our, and my, on my father's side we have a family reunion every year. 
and it happened w within five cities in Texas, starting in Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio, Lampasas, and Austin. Well, this at this time it happened in San Antonio, and we went there, and they had a uh, they had photographs and things, you know, the family. And I saw my uncle's photograph, and his name, middle name was Trevino. And I never did know that till that till about a year or so ago. And and my father and his, and my cousin's father, they were uh, primo hermanos. Hmm. They were raised like brothers. Small world. Yeah, and then my uncle's mother was my father's aunt. That was my father's mother's sister. You know, and she's a Macias, but she's also Trevino. You know, <laughs> it gets you know it gets kind of really you complicated. It gets messy. You have a very yeah. extended family. Uh, for for this particular uh, mm -hmm. uh, project we're working on, we're very interested in the what was known as the the West right. the West the West Side right. or the Barrio. Right. And uh, and your father actually lived here. Right. So, so we can go back to okay. So your father is Jose Mendez Trevino right. Senior. Right. Okay, and you said that he was originally from Vialdama. No, no, no. His family. His he, family. His family. Yeah. Okay, but where was he from? He was here from Austin. He was born here. Yeah, he was born here in Austin. And his birthday? His birthday is July the fourth, nineteen fifteen. Okay, but his his father was. Well, see, that's where it's hairy. You don't know his name. I don't really know it, because his middle name is Mendez, and my my grandmother, which was his mother, was Trevino. So I feel that his father was Mendez. And when, when my grandmother, which was his mother, left her husband, because I don't know if he was a wife beater or not, but he was a good working, hard working guy, but a, a rough guy. And I remember she, he was telling me that he remembers when he was a little boy, they left that night and they were sleeping out in the fields, you know, in the furrows of the plowed field. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he said he never forgets that as a, as a kid, when he was a kid. And he told me that, uh, that she left him. You know, the Mendes person. His father, I think, was Mendes. So, so but he went by his mother's last name, Trevino which still occurs in Mexico and in parts of Europe. The mother carries the, the name, you know, the... And that was Lorenza. Lorenza, yeah. Trevino, and then she married the men, she married. I feel she Mendes. married Mendes, yeah. Okay. But she went by Trevino. Lorenza. Yeah. Okay. And where was uh, Mendes from? I don't know. We don't know. And Lorenza, where was she from? I don't know either. Well, who was from Vialda? Who was from... Well, I, I would, his family, Mendez's family. Well, the Trevinos. See, the original Trevinos came from Mexico. Well, that's in Lorenza's. Yeah, family. that's her fam her side. Yeah. Her family came from. Yeah, because uh, Yeah, because remember I told you that two brothers married two sisters, and the brothers were Trevinos. Okay, but it's so complicated. <laughs> I know it's complicated. Okay, okay wait. Well, but. See, I'm going like this. Okay, here you are, Jose. Right. In the family tree, and this is your father. Right. And then your father, mother, right? This is Mendez and Lorenza, right? Lorenza. Okay, so Lorenza's family is the one from Nuevo León, and they're the ones that had the bakery. Her family and her family in Villa Dama. Yeah. V Villa. Villa, yeah, Villa. Dama. There's several Villa Dama, but this is the one in Nuevo León. 
And the bakery's still there. You get on the internet, you can find it. A bakery. <laughs> and I think they also, I don't think, I mean, they also had a small distillery, mezcal distillery. And we, they took us on a tour of it. In, in Nuevo León? In Vialdama. Mm -hmm. It's a little mountain town, like, well, you could say like Wimberley. And it's close to uh, Bustamante? I think it's Bustamante. That's the main, yeah, you take that road going east, west. Okay. All right. So, <coughs> Lorenza was married to Mr. Mendez. Yeah. Okay. And then they're the ones that lived here in this area. They were not married then. She left my father. She but, left my Well, not married, but they, they... My father, my father, his mother died when he was like 13. His mother, she died. See, by that time, he was out of the picture. She, she ran off and took my dad and, and they left because she, she wouldn't be with him anymore. And, but she died, I don't know, I don't think she ever lived in Austin. I think she died before, he, see my, my tia Andrea lived right there by Guadalupe on 8th Street. His, his, his aunt, Andrea, his mother's sister. When, when she died, his mother's sister took him over. Okay, but who lived here? <clears throat> my dad. Your dad, but who did he live there with? I have no idea. Did he, I mean, he was, on, he was born in 1915, so when did he live here? I have no idea. Because the Mexican barrio left here in 1927, 28. So see, the, see, the thing is that he, he told me, well, he told Moreta because he did the studies. All of this, the, he remembers all this, and he remembers that they used to close the gate at night, but they had like, you know, like a big door. It was a puerton and they had a, you know, and he said, he told me, well, he told me that, but I was there listening. But all the places he used to go to, all these stores that were here, the neighborhood water hydrant, everybody got water from, from different, you know, from a hydrant. And, uh, you know, those are, I mean, I was listening, I was a listener, but all this information, I, I never have, See, in our family, I never question things. I just grow up and what I hear, that's what I heard. You know, my aunts talk about things, I hear that. But I wasn't one that, I was a, a type of kid, I guess in those days, it wasn't, you know, I was, I was born in 1941. The kid mainly was, you just heard, you didn't hear from the kid. We were still shown to just hear. Not to be interrupting like nowadays, you know, and you can't even get the kid's attention anymore because he don't don't care if you're there or not. In those days, you could see that you could see, hear him sit there and hear him talk, but you not you, you didn't interrupt him. You didn't ask questions. I, I never asked. I never asked hardly any questions. Okay, but your your father, um, okay, their parent, her, his parents had to live somewhere because she then escaped, right? right. So that she. She decided she, 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 went, well, she wanted to leave her. I, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think he was with her when they, when they were here. He wasn't with her because she, he, he was, I think, 13 when she passed away, you know. So he must have been living there with an aunt or something, Andrea, which was the one that was taking care of him. And then I think that after they lived here a while, everybody got moved to the east, you know, to La Loma, the east side. Mm -hmm. And so what, what aunt did he? Andrea, which was her sister. 
When she passed away, her sister took over him. So when Lorenza left, did she take your father with her? Well, no, no. His, he was with his mother. And here's what I don't understand. See, I don't know either myself. I've never have looked into it because I really... Just accepted what you... Well, I never have been that curious about it. I'm the type, I mean, it's like, uh, see my attitude about a lot of things <laughs> are kind of like not conventional, I would say. I, I don't really, you know, I, I didn't ask questions because I, I can't say I didn't care. I thought about it, but that's just it. I thought about it. I never have really. At one time when I was a young person, I did, I was really gun hole. I wanted to find out where all the family came from and this and that, you know, and as time went by, I didn't, uh, I, w I was going to the family reunions, everybody met, there was about 300 people, three families. It was three families, it was Trevino, Macias, and Haas. It was three families, and those three families had been together, you know, for a long time. I guess I, by that I mean 75 years or more. And I think that originated, I go to the family reunions, I meet people, and whoever I met, that's where they stay, just like going to a, a, a funeral. Yeah, we'll see you again, we'll see you next year, or we'll make contact during the year. Well, we never do. I'll see you at the next funeral, <laughs> you know? It, it's, that's the way I, I am in, in a sense because I can't carry all this luggage. My mind's already saturated. You know what I mean? Well, and, can you tell us uh, some of the memories okay. that your father had of this area okay. that he told you? Okay, I remember, okay, when I was a kid, at that time we were living, I think, on Jewel and South Fifth. So that's not even on the map? No, it's not even on the map. But he would—he talked about these areas. Mm -hmm. You know, we would take a ride. I remember there was a mayor, Tom Miller, had a, a tannery there, somewhere on between fourth and fifth. I don't know oh, here it is. Between third and fourth, there was a tannery. Yeah. Okay. He'd take For a poultry. This says poultry. Tom Miller poultry. Well. I think he had both. A warehouse. He? he must have probably had both, because we could smell the skins. Mm -hmm. Every time we'd go by there, go toward the university, because he'd take us riding all the time. My father always took us riding. And he would always mention, that's the, that, that's the mayor's... Uh, you would go in a car? Yeah, he had a car, like a 1940 Pontiac, four-door. And, and that's, he had that... Well, the very first car I remember, it was a... And this is like a memory. It was like a little Ford Coupe with the back. The back went back, and my sister, my older sister and I would sit in the back. And I remember this kind of like on the east side, when we'd leave the house to go riding. And we were sitting in the back, I said, well, this is something, this is weird. Like uh, a rumble seat. Yeah, a rumble seat, there you go. See, I forgot that word, because they don't make them anymore. No. Like you know, and, and then after that car, he had like a, a 1932 Chevrolet four-door, and the front doors opened from the front. You know, instead of in the hmm. back, they opened from the front. And that car he had when we lived in South Austin. But this, we'd pass it on Lavaca Street going north. He would tell me, that, that's where the neighborhood used to be, El Barrio, you know. 
He, would he call it the barrio? Yeah. He would say those words of barrio? Yeah, that was El Barrio Mexicano. And and he said that was for Guadalupe Church. Well, my father always spoke Spanish to us. He, he didn't start speaking English to the my mother. He always spoke Spanish. And uh, most all the time, he died at 69. He was age 69 from an operation. Uh, he always spoke Spanish and then after he met my mother, started speaking English some. Well, even at that time, he always still spoke Spanish. M mainly all the time he spoke Spanish to us. And, uh, and he would tell us, you know, La Chileria was over there. But we never drove into the area for some reason, I don't know why. We just went up La Vaca and down Guadalupe. And then he would point out these places, like La Chileria, you know, and the... I think he said the tortilleria, some tortilleria was there. On West 2nd. Ma'am? Um, there was a, down on oh, West 2nd, there was a tortilla factory. Yeah, yeah. It was a Ramirez family tortilla factory, and then what, a Segura? Segovia. Se Segovia. Segovia home, and then, I don't know. J That's J Schneider. J Schneider store. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's still there. Schneider's mm -hmm. now, is a, I think, a lounge. Lambert's. Lambert? No, this is Schneider on 2nd and Guadalupe because I know because my supervisor last name was Schneider and I always... Right, but it's a new restaurant. Oh, oh, the Lambert. Oh, okay. That's what they call it. Okay, yeah, because they still have the, I think on the sign they have it's the Schneider store. building or something. Yeah. yeah. And there was a bootleg in Guana underneath. Oh, really? <laughs> well, that, he mentioned that too, but I don't really remember what he talked about bootlegging. But he mentioned that some. But he mentioned like Segovia. I think they the one that had on West Six. I think they had the produce. Uh, yeah, the produce people, and there was also he talked about Galindo. I think he's the one that started that tortilla factory in Milagro, El Lago, and then Milagro. And I don't know how many names are gone. So when you were when you made this map, did he did he see this map? Yeah, well, he sat down with Modesta so they could fill it in. See, I drew the map. And then Modesto and him sat down and he started talking about all the places he remembers, you know, and uh... And you, and you would write him in, she wrote him in? She wrote, yeah, I, all, my only thing was to draw it. She, she wrote all the information that he gave her. And this map was done in 1979 when they did the Well, interview? whenever, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it says 79. 79, she was going to St. Edwards. And, uh, well, I mean, you know, he, he tells me things like the church was there, Guadalupe Church, uh, all these other places, and he told me that which some the ones that moved to the east side when everybody was moved out, and I guess Segovia went on the east side, and then Galindos and other people. So y'all never, did y'all ever get down off the car and like go to this park? Didn't need to. I don't think he, I don't think he ever, I mean he never said Let, let's drive in the area and get down. Well, there might have been reasons. Maybe he didn't want to go around there anymore. You know, maybe there was like racial prejudice or something, he didn't want to go around there anymore. I don't know, I can't, I don't be shooting in the dark and trying to guess, 
I just remember we'd go up La Vaca and come down Guadalupe. Of course, we'd go up Congress and look around. But I, I, I hardly ever remember going like Corolado and, and San Antonio Street and all those, all these other important streets where he, he grew up, he knew these areas. But if you notice on the map, it's mostly right here centered Nuestra Street, kind of like all the way to, well, Guadalupe and a little bit of, uh, not even on, on La Vaca. It's just right here between what, 6th and 2nd. And then it moves e here, it moves east. And you, you had mentioned something about that he would take you to the park also, and then you... Well, he told me, yeah. Well, he told me that, that all along the park here, when he was, it was the junk. It was junk, you know, that's where the city dumped the junk, the trash. And somewhere over here, well beyond, well, this is not even on the map, but over here where they have, a, you know, the rowing club, Mm -hmm. there's, there's a big tower right there by there where they have their their boats. He said that used to be like a, they had pulleys there, like they would. That was a brick brick factory, and I guess a lot of lot of Rasa worked there, at the brick brick factory. And he told me they had cables with, uh, you know, bringing I guess mud or whatever they made brick with. And then he told me right here where the the electrical Seahome Electrical Company is power plant. There used to be a little island here somewhere. Well, not even there. It was it was more like where Guadalupe and San Antonio. When there used to be an island here, and there was a man that used to a fisherman used to live on that little island. And then one one day, my dad told me, "See all that rocks? How? Because this they hadn't built Lady Bird Johnson yet when he showed me. The, he said all those rocks came from uh, Tom Miller Dam. I think broke." And 30 mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. He said all those rocks are the ones that were washed down the river. Because the river was low at that time, I remember. But y'all were walking when he was telling you this, or you were driving? No, we were driving. We never walked, hardly ever walked. We never walked around him. You know, we never walked. Th th these are things like. He, he didn't, my father was like. He didn't go around thinking too much about the past. I mean, he probably thought about it, but he didn't verbally would say, unless something would, he would remember something and say, see that? That's what used to happen here. That's what happened here. And I remember when I was a kid, that's what, that, this was like that. But he would never, he never would say, because he called me Junior. He said, let's go over here. I want to show you this. I want to show you the neighborhood where I used to live. He never did that. That's the way he was. Uh, he was kind of a quiet man, you know. And, and these things that that all this history that he he grew up, because he knew he knew a lot of things that like he'd tell me a lot of things of the East Side, because he had a lot of contact there, <clears throat> and a lot of people that he knew uh, when he was growing up. I guess as a young man and as a teenager. Like he was part of uh, like baseball teams, you know, like Med Martinez that owns the uh, restaurant. Well, this one he was alive. They grew up together, and I think he was Med Martinez was a boxer, and him and my dad and he were good friends. And I remember Matt used to live at kind of where we lived on Jewel Street at the very bottom before he opened his restaurants. 
and they live they were like our neighbors we lived like on south fifth and uh, jewel and my dad would tell me well see matt i've known him a Matt when we were on the east side so i get my dad he might have meant i don't know if he meant because i don't ever remember him living on the east side i just remember we used to drive up to my de andreas which that's what we he was my great aunt and he would tell me, he introduced me and told me that this was a, his tia that raised him. And uh, we'd get off and visit. She lived there on 8th Street and uh, uh, right there by Guadalupe Church, kind of south, kind of west of there. And Andrea was Lorenzo's sister? Yeah. Yeah, she was her sister. And do you think she lived here? No, my Andrea lived on the east side. But before on, that, on, on H, no, I don't think she did. That that's a mystery. That's a good question. I'd have to ask. I'd have to ask my cousins, the Macias, because mm -hmm. they're really they're really really interested in. I mean, they're really they were really involved in keeping the history of the family, mm -hmm. more so than we were. I know because that because who did your father live with? when he lived here? I have no idea. He never did bring it up. Do you think he lived with his father? No. He, he didn't live with his father because his father was out of the picture when they were in Austin. He lived, unless my tia Andrea lived here at the time and then they, they got moved to the east side. And then mm -hmm. she, I'd have to find, that I could find out I'd, uh, by asking my cousins. And your tia Andrea, she alive? Oh no, she passed a long time ago. And what about her family? Well, her family, they were Macias. Well, no, wait a minute, Tia Andrea, I think they were Trevinos. The, the, uh, her brother was my dad's closest cousin, Pedro Macias. Uh, but did Andrea have children? Yeah. She had a tia, Clarita, died at 94, and then she had a, a daughter, another daughter named Maria. She also passed away. They're dead and she's dead. Their husband's dead. Well, whenever, whenever, the one that lived to be 94 never got married. Maybe that's why she lived so long, you know. But uh, I, I never did meet her husband, if she did have one, because my dad used to take me when she lived here on 8th Street over here by Guadalupe Church. Uh, I guess if you walk this east one block of where the French legation was, that's where she lived, and uh, on 8th Street. But I never did, all the time we went there, I never did meet her husband, if she had one. You know, I just met her and my dad would tell me who she was. She was my, my grandmother's sister, and when my grandmother died, she's the one that took care of him. But see, that, what does that mean? She's the one that took care of him. Well, did he, live, did, he, did he live with her? Or did he live with somebody else? Hmm. See, that's interesting because my mother, when my dad met my mother, he was actually going to meet my, my, my aunt. But then my mother was there. You know, and well, you know, the chemistry, you know, and uh, but then I, I'm wondering, I never have really my, my how did, how did my, my mother's family and my, well, before then, 
why would my mother at the house? You know, I mean, did, did they know each other or what? Did they know the, the, my dad's family side? That I never have looked into, you know? Well, well let's switch gears for a moment. Okay. And there's a lot of mysteries here. Yeah, there You'll are. You'll have to ask about them at the next family yeah, reunion. Yeah, um, I'm wondering, since your dad was born in 1915, the Guadalupe School had, uh, they opened, the Guadalupe Church opened up a school in 1917. Mm -hmm. So did your father ever talk about going to that school? Because don't we have a photograph of him? Mm -mm. Well, we don't know if that's him. You mean the one here on 5th in Guadalupe? Because mm -hmm. here says Guadalupe yes. School. Well, he never spoke of it. Where did he go to? He went to school, the Guadalupe Church, but the one on 9th Street? Probably the one here. I mean, if they, is it, when was this moved? When, when, when was the whole barrio was moved? 1928. No, he wasn't. He, he, he must have gone here. I mean, in 1928, he was, he was born in 1915. We were going to have him identify his father, were we not, from the school picture? Yeah, but we don't have it. We're going to get it today. Uh, yeah, that'd be something. Uh, and, and what do is it? Do you want this? me to go get a copy of it from there? They don't have one. Oh. Uh, what is this now? That looks like a ditch or something. What's well, these blocks all had alleys going through well, you wrote, them. You, wrote, oh. you drew it, Jose. No, and man. this is an alley, and they they would have an alleyway. Their oh, houses okay. would front. <laughs> it's this where I see it now. It's mm -hmm. the other way. See, I so, can see it now. It says alley. It, apparently, the Guadalupe Church is in the center of the block. Right. And then the Guadalupe School is on the corner. Right. And then there was a nun's home on the other side. Okay. Did your father ever talk about any of this stuff? No. Going to the school or going to the church? No? Uh, personally, I believe that this is the first time that anybody really sat down with him and, and asking questions about, you know, mm -hmm. the past. I don't think anyone had ever sat down and, and, and talked, when he talked about and asking questions of the old neighborhood. Why don't they? anyone has ever made this map before? I have no idea. No, we... I'm sure there are other people in Austin that... Because, that, you know, when, when this was not done... A map, not a map that we know this, of. Well... People um, have some memories, but Memory, they, no maps. Well, then those memories need to be somehow... Attached to yeah, the map. Yeah, to, to see what... To which see, is what we want to do. Because, you know, I know that in time, things change. People's memories start failing. And and because some things I might be saying I might be completely wrong, but that's the way I grew up thinking. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I thought I'm right as far as I, as, as thinking about what I was told. It could be uh, other stories that are totally different. But this, I, I feel that a lot of this was was authentic because he he spoke about a lot of things. And then he, he spoke, I guess he, his mother died at 13. He must have been in Austin, maybe when he was 14 for sure. Or she died when he was here. Maybe she lived here, and I don't know. That's what I have to ask my cousins, you know. And I think the only one that would really know this are the one that they live over here going to San Antonio. Who is that? Macias, my primo hermano. 
because his wife is the one, they're like retired federal government workers. And their, their jobs was like, they work with the information, U.S. Information Office. And they're real skilled at picking information, you know, that's what they do. And I think now that they're retired, she, she continued her, her training and that and, and doing the family, the family history. And last time we were there, she had a map like from that door to about right here, a print out of everybody that she'd so far gotten. Oh, the genealogy? Yeah. Tree? Yeah, on my dad's side. You know, and, and of course, I, I wasn't interested in that. On your dad's side? Yeah. Well, and whoever's related, you know. Okay, and Macias, who is she? Who is he? She, Macias, how, how is that related? I don't know. Where is she on the... Where? Clarita and Maria Macias. Well, they were they were the daughters of my dad's tia Andre, uh, my dad's okay, aunt but, Andrea. Okay, but what is the Macias's name? Which one? The one that you're talking about that lives in South Austin. Well, he's my he's the offspring. <coughs> he's the son. He, he, he's the the son of their. Of, of which one, Clarita? No, no, no. He's the son of their brother, Pedro Macias. Oh, Pedro. Yeah, they they have a brother, Pedro. Is Pedro alive? No, he's dead. He died about a month after my dad. And Pedro had. And what is his, his son's name? What did he have? What's his son's name? The Macias? The one, okay, the one that, that I grew up with named Pedro also. And that's the house? Junior. That, those are the people who work for the information? The what? The, those are the people who did the genealogy? Yeah, book? yeah, my cousin Pedro. Pedro. Yeah, Junior. Pedro Junior. And his wife. And his wife. And who's his wife? Primarily his wife, Sally. Sally, yeah, but, her, she, but her married name is Macias, not, that's not her. Yeah, her married name is Macias. And uh, they live in South Austin? No, they live in, yes. you go into San Antonio? Mm -hmm. It's about, it's on the left-hand side, it's about, well. So do they have photos? Uh, she asked for photos, yeah, I'm sure they have, because <laughs> she's always asking me for photos. That, that's what she does as a hobby. That's what she put together all this, or you know, this chart, and she went. She wanted all the photos I had. Of, I said, "Well, yeah, I'll get them to you. I'll get them to you." Well, you know, like I'm saying, I'll see you at the next funeral. I still haven't gotten them to her. Hmm. I didn't even know these existed till I saw them again. My sister had these. She made copies of them, and I have more pictures of this where he's dressed like this as a chef cook, and 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 he had a. a there's two other guys that also played when he was a part of a trio. They played music in trios, you know. And they're all three out there in the back playing, well in the back of this building, St. Edwards. They're playing music and they're talking during their break. And I remember they lived, <coughs> my, my father, my mother, and my older sister lived, on, lived with St. Edwards for a period of time. East of St. Edwards, I think where the I-35, where uh, IRS is, they used to own all that property, St. Edward did, and they had a ranch there. That's where they had their, a lot of their dairy, you know, milk and eggs and stuff was got from that ranch. And they lived there for a period of time before I was born. And then they moved out. I think, I don't know why, I never asked. <laughs> I just know these things. What did the square look like at that time, Guadalupe Park? I couldn't say. The uh, only thing I remember 
with the Tom Miller factory, the, the store or whatever, the poultry warehouse, and I remember the Chileria. I kind of remember before they built a Calcutta built their building. Well, they had already they were already existing out here on Second Street and I think Guadalupe. Mm -hmm. And the city, I think, <coughs> bought that and made city offices like an annex. I kind of remember some of the old buildings there, but God is so different now. So in the in the paper, it talks about that there were five five uh, neighborhoods Mexicanos in one. Did your father ever do anything like that? You mean These like these areas, like oh. this one here? Here's Mexican neighborhood. Here's another one. Okay. Here's another one. <coughs> oh, okay. I see them now. Yeah. No, he never spoke about it. There were colonias. It's areas. Well, I don't think they were as big as a colonia. Colonia is pretty big. Big, okay. I think they were more than just because see, they the just block. covered like they one block. block. Yeah, vecindad. I guess in those days it was like a vecindad more, even though it was a vecindad, several blocks. And you talked about a a, a portón, <coughs> like a, a door. Yeah, a door. But he, so he, he would talk, he said that at night they closed the, the portones. But was it of the house or the whole area? The whole neighborhood area. That's what I don't understand when he said that. I didn't understand that. I, I don't think they were confined like that. Maybe each block, you know, each neighborhood had, had their own, because these are big blocks. Maybe each neighborhood lived in an enclosed area, you know, and they closed it at night. You Perhaps know. just one entryway? Yeah, yeah, one entryway, like a, well, I can't find the word. But I see the fine neighborhoods here. And that's, I mean, to me, see, because this, this, this is cut in half. Mm -hmm. Like this bottom part is a neighborhood. And this one is sliced in here. And this one is sliced here. Well, what does that mean? I mean, I, I don't know if I asked him, maybe he must, he, must he must have meant that this, this portion of that block was neighborhood. Because you drew this, right? Yeah. So why would you draw it like this? But he just drew the squares on it. She filled it in. He just did the yeah, form. Yeah, yeah, but she... she no, no, but, but, he t but they told yeah, him she to asked do it me. like this. Yeah. Oh. yeah, that's what she's asking me. Why I could have made them all consistent. Or but you could have just put the name of the whole block. Yeah, I could have made the whole thing consistent, but for some reason, she, like you asked, why were these like that? So maybe... See, even this one, this one's designated. Yeah. I think maybe because, remember in that Connell map, he had, uh, uh, within one block, you could have, like, uh, little shacks scattered around here, and then you might have a place of business, and then... You might have something else. So this right here, this would be the Swisher Mansion right here. And I don't know if this is the only one that fronted so that all of this, this half, was just included with the Swisher Mansion or what. I don't know. But, is it, but, but, it's, but still same, it's still the same prototype where you have lots of different, you have families, but they're contained within. Yeah. But this doesn't, uh, not the, the individual buildings, because 
We saw photographs, you know, from the 1913 report. I showed you those photographs. Modesta took them of the, you know, the the shacks and stuff like that. But they could have so been, it could have been a whole row of them. But it could have been like w closed off with the little picket fences. Uh, I, it's just not shown. I remember, but that, see, that's what I remembered. He, he would say that at night they closed the puertones, because they all lived in like an, I guess, an enclosed area, you know. It's like uh, in Mexico, in the, um, like a what? the Vicendades, in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, like that. They have one entrance. They have one entrance, and then at night they close them. Some of them are not <coughs> they're all consistent, but that's the way I feel that this, this situation was that everybody would, Certain time of the evening, they they all knew that they had they should be inside already. Did he ever talk about any like fiestas? Because they you know the downtown park, they supposedly had the <coughs> the Mexican independence. They had it was a place for gathering on Sundays and. Well, let's see. You remember that? No. He, he might have mentioned things, but I don't remember. But he did the medicine shows. I remember he he talked about that, how people would go to the medicine shows. Oh, tell us about those. What were they? Well, I guess like we were here everywhere, you know, medicine shows, people would come like from different places. But see, here's a, here's a, he, he, he always made it sound like it was always Mexicans. You know, there were no Anglos or Afro-Americans involved. You know, because he would say, always say, los Mexicanos. You know, eran Mexicanos, muchos Mexicanos venían, entonces nos juntamos ahí. Y ahí tuvimos fiestas y cosas así, como medicine shows. And then he would say, like, the medicine shows were like, well, different things, I guess. Did they have animals with them? No. But it's funny because medicine shows is in English. Why did I write it in English? No, the words are English. Oh, yeah. How would you translate them? Well, he might or have said... Or he said medicine shows. No, no. He, he might have said medicine shows because it's bilingual. I think he might have met... Because he, he was talking bilingual more. I remember when I first started remembering things, he always spoke Spanish. You know, but by this time when Modesta interviewed him, well, he was already, you know, saying a lot of English words. I mean, he was speaking English okay. But if, when, when I spoke to him, most of the time he would always speak in Spanish. It, it depends on what we're talking about. Like me, when I talk about business or finances or stuff, I speak English. I don't want to get mixed up, <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So, or if I'm, uh, if I'm talking about science, you know, to a Mexicano, I ask him, do you speak English or do you understand English? Because I can't, there's a lot of words in vocabulary I can't, can't say in Spanish because I don't know them. I don't use them a lot. Even though I know a lot of Spanish, I still don't use, I don't always use them. And uh, I think my dad, when he spoke to me about things in the old neighborhood and stuff, it's always in Spanish and hardly ever in English. But all of this, everything he just about everything he would tell me was in Spanish, because that's what we spoke as I grew up, you know, with with him. My mother was kind of like 
she spoke Spanish, but then she spoke English also a lot. On my mother, she, I, can't, I guess she kind of was raised in Laredo up to a point when her mother died. Her great-grandmother took over. Well, she, she, like even now, she's 91. We still, I take her out riding a lot. She's still pretty active, very slow. And she'll always speak English. But if, if we want to get something real serious or something, we speak Spanish. She'll switch to Spanish. But she doesn't think about those anymore. Like if she starts acting up, you know what I mean, like old senior citizens, they start thinking they're young and all this. Well, if I, if I want to calm her down, I speak to her in Spanish because, you know, this is really mm -hmm. serious stuff, Mom. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I talk to her in Spanish. And, and it seems like she's, you know, it's okay. My dad, well, I, I can't say he, he didn't. Well, what did he say to you in Spanish about these medicine shows? Well. What were they? Let me think. I, I, I think that from what I, I kind of gather where they were like, they were like little carnivals, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that they didn't have animals like now. They might have had, they might have had little, uh, you know, like little donkeys and, and cows and maybe little raccoons and stuff, you know. <laughs> little bitty things, little traveling shows. Mm -hmm. And of course in the Madison shows, he would talk about people maybe trying to sell stuff, you know, like concoctions. Yeah, tonics. Yeah, yeah, tonics. They go tonicos. He would, I remember that's one word, el volcán, el volcán. He would talk el tonico volcán, lo, que, lo querían vender. And, and I went a while back, maybe last year, I went to a drugstore, La Fiesta. I went to the drug section and I looked up and they still had the Volcan. And they did, they're still selling it and people still use it. And I bought one because I had something was hurting and then I opened it and I smelled it. And then I looked at the ingredients and I don't want to use this stuff. It was like, like, uh, kerosene oil or something like that. Petroleum. But I, yeah, petroleum. And I remember my great-grandmother, when we'd get cut, she'd ask us to get some cobwebs and she'd wash it with kerosene oil and then put a cobweb on it. And then she'd tie it around. She'd tie the cobweb around? Yeah, she put the For cobweb. A no, she put the cobweb on, then tied. With a band. Oh. Yeah, with a, with a, with a something, material. yeah. But it was a torn shirt or something, you know, rag. It was a clean rag. What we thought was clean. I mean, now everything's polluted. I think, you know, we're so afraid to do anything. Like eating rice, you know. Yeah, the arsenic. <laughs> but they used to tear a shirt or whatever and, and they tied down and like that. And the cobweb had some kind of medicinal factor in it? I don't, know. In it, or? I they don't do, know. They do that now. I don't know. I remember when we the were movies. living I remember when we lived on on, on on Lydia Street on the east side, on Lydia Street and uh, close to 11th Street, my grandmother, on my mother's side, she used to make a fire in the back, in the backyard. She had a big kettle and she'd boil all the clothes and lie and then she'd wash it. I remember one time that we were little, well I was about five, like I tell you, I, I started remembering 
we were all in one room praying and she had some candles she was saying some special prayers you know what a lechuza is Mm -mm. A lechuza is something like a bird, isn't it? Owl. An owl, yeah. And it's supposed to be a, the devil or something. Yeah, it's a, a negative. bad yeah, omen. Yeah, yeah, bad omen. There you go. And there was one on the roof, you know, and she knew all these special prayers and we're all there praying. But the interesting thing, like my, on my father, he was there, but he, he wasn't, I barely, I mean, I remember him. I remember him, you know, but I don't remember him. I guess I was too little. But I, I remember, because he was a working man, he was a good man. He didn't, he, he didn't drink hardly, he didn't drink till later in life. He started drinking, he'd buy him a six pack for about a week and that lasted him a week. But uh, I kind of remember him, he was going to work in the morning, came back in the evening. And he worked in different things. Who's this? My dad. I remember he told me that his first job in the kitchen was with a Greek restaurant on Congress Avenue. It was named the Paris Cafe. Hmm. And that was his first job in the kitchen. And then I remember he talked about Los Arabes, which was the people, the Arabs, the Lebanese on 6th Street. They had uh, Humpty Dumpty was, I think, the big store there. And all the people on on La Raza, you know, the Mexicanos would, they'd give them credit, you know, and my dad would talk about all the people would meet on 6th Street on, on, on the weekend, like Saturday. They all came from out of town and everybody would talk and people would know each other and they'd do their buying, you know, and he talks about a lot about 6th Street and the different stores that were there, all Lebanese on, you know, and then he talks about where La, uh, La Peña is, there was a restaurant, I think a Chinese restaurant, it's called the Samwa Cafe. It's on here too. Yeah. Let's see. Hmm. Yeah, right here, Samwa Chinese restaurant. Well, I remember that restaurant when I was a little kid, my dad took me there. And uh, that's where I had my first egg sandwich. And he, my, I, think, I think my dad worked with him as a waiter. Well, further of Congress, it's not here, but there was a, the Paris Cafe, I think was on, between 10th and 11th. That's where he got his first job. And did your father ever talk about, like, the, these little stores, the Cantinita or the Neveria? No. Or the Tienditas? Well, he tried, he knew people that was, the knew the little Tienditas. I mean, talk about things that they'd buy at La Tienda, you know. Mainly he was comparing the prices then when he was a kid. And now, you know, he talked about like with a dime you could buy all kinds of, a nickel you could buy a lot of things. And you know, he was comparing them then to <clears throat> when he was alive, like back in the 70s. But he, he, a lot of these people, he talks about the, the ones that went to the east side and they had the tortillas factories and the produce factories. Uh, <clears throat> And what about the, the um, chileria? Well, before I go any further, he mentioned the, uh, the marathon here at the dance hall, the Nelly Plastics. He said a lot of people participated. That's on 2nd Street in what? Colorado. I think the Children's Hospital, I mean, uh, museum's there now. I think it would be right there on the corner. Well, 
Wait a minute. He's this got is it. His second. Well, I'll be wondering. Let's see. I have it here, but you don't have it on that one. I wonder why it's not on this one. It should be right here. And this was it. Yeah, it used to. Um, we have an old photo on yeah. the corner, and it was like a auto repair shop right, or something. Right. Is that the only thing that's missing off the maps? Yeah. Well, I, the, it, might, it probably was that. I mean, that then. Well, even before then. You talked about the, the dance hall? The dance hall. He said it was like marathon, that they'd go dancing and dancing until they couldn't stand anymore. But, you know, again. What kind of music did they listen Well, that, that's what I was going to say. Again, I don't know who he meant by them, whether they were Mexicans or Anglos, you know. This was a, a, a fad going on, I think, in the 30s and 40s. These marathon, yeah, and yeah. you would get like a couple hundred dollars right. if you were the last couple standing. Right. There. No, that's what he was said. Yeah, he mentioned that. He said that people did that and they'd go dance and dance till they fall. Mm-hmm. And the ones that would stay. In. And now I don't know if they were just like observers that were looking at that. I don't know if they were participating because they were Mexican Americans or they were just like, you know, they go by and they could see that. You know, but he said that was happening there. You know, the interesting thing to me is that I know that a lot of things, you know, he talks about, I don't know what the integration was. You know what I mean? At the what point, at the what point, you know, the Mexican-American could participate or they were just observers. You know what I mean? And I don't know what was tighter here or was it integrated, you know, up to a point at that time? I don't know. But I know, I, I, I kind of don't know. I Did you talk about uh, other um, groups like African-Americans? Well, or well, the Afri African-Americans, he didn't talk, he talked kind of negative. He was kind of negative. I think, I think he was kind of racial because he always, he would say that, you know, they were always fighting. He, he would always fight with them. He couldn't, because he, he said they were lazy. Well, everybody's lazy. <laughs> but, you know, at that time, you can't tell that to a person. Even now, you can't. But, I mean, you know, we all have the same feelings. But I don't, he didn't say, he said, well, they were over there and we were over here. It's segregated. But th they were in the same boat, you know, they don't, because they were different, they, don't, they didn't think of those things. They thought of it negative, you know. I don't think, but they, I think that he did have, he did work, he talked a lot about going to La Piscas, you know, cotton picking. Hmm. And, and he talked about, at one time he had a terrible experience. There were some guys in a flatbed truck in the back, and they were sitting going from, to, a, to some cotton picking job and there was a, an Afro-American guy sitting with his legs sticking out, you know, over the edge of the truck. And the, something swiped him on, just knocked his legs off. Okay. Knocked him off the truck. And my dad said he remembers that, and he never forget that, you know. But it showed a lot of compassion. And I think, I think human nature is, you know, when someone gets hurt, everything goes out the window. Primarily, you have just human compassion. And, and he talked, you know, about it. Poor guy, you know, and he, he died right on the scene and all this and all that. And, but sometimes he would say, 
Well, he said, we grew up kind of like always fighting with each other because they were so lazy and they never wanted to do this and they wanted to do that. And uh, well, my dad, well, I guess he was kind of a hard worker, but he had, I know other uncles that were lazy too, you know. You know, but I never did see my father kind of like the lazy type. He always took care of the family the best he could. There were like five of us. I had like uh, two sisters and two brothers. And he was always a hard worker. And, and you know, he was always trying to provide for us. You know, he wasn't a, cra a wild guy, you know, like he treated my mother real well and all the children were well, you know. And uh, there was a lot of respect, you know, within the family. Our family, his immediate family, you know, my brothers and sisters and them. And then his family, you know, the Macias, they were the, the closest one to us. We also showed a lot of respect to each other. Mm -hmm. And then his aunts, the one that, that Tia Andrea, that kind of raised him, also a lot of respect. You know, that, that's something that he grew up with. And, uh, and my mother also, you know, but I, I think I saw it more in my dad. I, I was more involved with my father's family than my mother's. I think that uh, on my mother's side, I met them later. But on my, mother, on my father's side, I met, I got to meet a lot of them when I was a kid. And then the Macias, like we grew up together. They, they lived about a block from our house in, in South Austin. On the east side, we kind of like, uh, they were already living there. I think that my, my father moved in with my mother's family right there on, on Lydia and 11th Street. It was her family. And because uh, I remember my uncles, my, my great-grandmother, matriarch, she was the head of the whole thing. And then everybody was under her, you know, with a lot of respect. My uncles, one thing about my father, always dressed nice. He was always real clean. I always wore a suit. Every Sunday go to church, wore a suit. And my mother's uncles, my, I mean, my, yeah, they were her uncles. They were always real dressed, real nice also. And that's one thing I think that they were always real clean and real nice and dressed. And I think that was because of my grandma, my great grandmother. I call her my grandmother, but she was my great grandmother. Did she or anybody else live on this side? No, that was all it had to do with my father, on my father's side. Mm. I think my mother's, I think that by that time, all of the neighborhood had already been moved to the east side. Now, when you say been moved, do you... Good politics am I looking at, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> right. So I want to hear this. Uh, I, uh, okay, uh, what I've heard several things from different people of the past and of the present, of the past, say, within 75 years and to the present. Well, I think all of this, the, the, the city wanted to get that and make, develop it. The, the developers were behind the whole thing. And they moved everybody, little by little, to what they call La Loma, which is the east side. Okay. Around, I would say, Guadalupe Church. And then from there, I guess it extended, because I never looked it up. So all, little by little, all of these people were pushed out and moved east. How did they push them out? I have no idea. I guess like they're doing it now, developers put the pressure on people. So they come in and they bulldoze or they buy up property? They probably buy up property or 
See, I never have really looked it up. I have never really looked it up because with me, uh, I, it's not my character. You know, I, I, I know these things happen all over the world, everywhere, all the time. People get uprooted. I mean, you know, in China, everybody got moved out because they're building a big dam. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to get flooded out, okay? You go in, in another part of the world, the same thing, India or Bangladesh or something, they got to move out because somebody's going to develop it. And, and these people had to move out. And now people are on the east side, a lot of people are buying them up, building big houses. Little by little, the taxes go up, and people can't afford the taxes, they got to move out. Where do they go? Well, to the suburbs. You can't move there either because everybody's there. So in my mind, I can't, I can't get myself into this because it's an unending cycle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I see that is uh, historical, but it's still a group of people got moved because of the, I guess you would call it a, pro, you know, progress. People out here in Clarksville, Afro-Americans got moved. There's still a pocket there. They got moved east because all of that was bought around. All the developers got it. Mm -hmm. I think the developers and the city together, you know, are, are, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they make the city grow, and that's what's happened to Austin, you know. I see Austin, when I knew it, at like 45,000, and of course, it was smaller. And now, I can't be in Austin too long. <laughs> you know, I like Austin a lot. I mean, I like it. It's where I grew up, and I see a lot of things, you know, and it brings all kinds of memories that I can remember. And uh, But it's just gotten too big. I mean, uh, people, like this guy that walked in a while ago, I asked him if he was from Austin, Afro-American guy. He said, yeah. I said, well, you know, I, I don't meet too many people from Austin. Mm -hmm. Everybody from somewhere else. And to me, well, it's just... It's something that happens all the time. So I take it and like that happened to this group of people. They moved. It's happening again anywhere else. They're getting moved. And it's just people move. I mean, you know, Mexico, people come up here because the economy down there is bad. China, Orient, the Asia, they come over here. It's just people are always moving. People of New York come to Austin. Mm -hmm. You know, they find better jobs, more opportunities here, because it is a good, I think Austin's a good city. Do you, you know, know why your people moved from Mexico I think the it was, the, my dad would always say it was a revolution. The, the okay. ones on my dad's side, they, uh, they were, I guess, like the upper class. They had businesses, they own a whole block of, in, in Vialdama, they own a whole block. We went to the house there, and I couldn't believe it was a house like this. It was a big house. It was one whole block. They had the patio in the middle. They had their bakery. Everything was within the building, mm -hmm. you know, and they rented out space. We spent, we spent a couple of days there. And my dad used to say, well, all of this, a lot of these things were happening in the, re in the revolution. They got moved out, you know, so. I think that's why they came up. And then I said to myself, well, I know they had a revolution for a reason. Because mm -hmm. the poor were fighting the rich. 
the rich were the landowners, and my dad would say they had a lot. They were they owned land, so maybe they were on on the people had to run. You know what I mean? But but, but did your family lose everything? Were there were some people who well, still stayed there? Right? Some stayed there. No, they didn't lose everything. And that's because uh, they're still there right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're still there. I look them up on the internet. But for some reason, some stayed and some left. And my mother, on my mother's, my great-grandmother came from Mexico in a covered wagon. I remember she talking about that. Who did? My, my mother, my great-grandmother on my mother's side, Vicenta. He got Lorenza and Vicenta. Lorenza is my dad, Vicenta is my great-grandmother on my mother's side. And where did they uh, wind up settling? Laredo. Ah, Yeah, okay. Laredo. Here in the, the story, it talks about how this, um, that the neighborhoods were all fenced around and there was only one entrance. Yeah. There you go. On, on, Nueces, on the corner of Nueces and 3rd Street. Mm -hmm. So that's where he lived? Well, that's where it says, the Trevino home. Now, the Trevino home could mean a lot of things. The Trevino home, in this case, when Modesta was interviewing my dad, right there. that's where my dad, my dad was. Oh, that's weird. Now, who owned it? I don't know. But they lived there. Yeah, but who's they? I mean, you asked me that question a while ago. I'd have to find all this out, see if that someone in my, my, my Seattle family has that information. They gotta have it, you know, unless that was my, his aunt Andrea, is they grew up there and then they had they had to move. You know what I mean? It would be interesting at some well, if someone was doing a, a very in depth to see the land the land deeds. Yeah. Mm hmm How to the see land deeds how the land deeds were, you know, over the years, the property. The deeds, you say? The land deeds, yeah. yeah. How it yeah. passed from one owner to the next Oh owner. yeah. Well, who, that, owned, who owned this land? But these probably were all rent houses. Yeah, yeah, they were. I'm sure they were. They were rent houses, and they they um, raised the rent, and that's how people could have possibly been moved out. But that's how it's happening now. But now it's with taxes. But see, I don't know. I just hear hear these things. Um, the tortilla factory. No, they're made from corn. <laughs> I yeah. was wondering if. Do you, do you know if they made uh, flour tortillas or just corn? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I would imagine all of those were made by hand at home. Okay. The women made them. But then the... Including myself. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that must have been flour. I mean, uh, corn. But here they have a flour meal. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, or your dad mentioned, that uh, the women would take the flour sacks Mm -hmm. And make shirt yeah, or that, underwear right. for clothing. People. Yeah, yeah. That's he mentioned that. He would mention that a lot of the the women made the clothing from the flower sacks. Uh, what does this say right here? Somebody's home on the very corner next to the Trevinos. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm trying to look at them. This is Marlo. This is Mejia or, or Mesia. Oh, that's Macias? It could be Macias. Well, the Macias are right down here. The Macias home. Yeah, that's Macias, Marlo, Trevino. Does it look like... Mejia? 
No. It looks like M I E. Yeah. Or is it N? I don't know. Is it? It looks like an a, M to me. See, this one is clear, but I don't have a. a I don't uh, have let's a see. looking glass. I can't read it. That one seems clearer than the print. <laughs> I can't. You can't see it. Yeah. Nope. Um. So he never mentioned where he went to school. No. Well. He went to Guadalupe school, but we don't know which one. Well, I, I, he would have gone I, to this I, one. That's what I think. I think because the other one wasn't built until 20-some-odd when right. it was moved on the other side oh, in the later 20s. Yeah. So it would have been this one. I would, have, I, would have, I would think it was that one because of that fact. If you saw your dad as a little boy, could you recognize him? Yeah, because he gave me a picture when he was about three or four. Where is that picture? Somewhere at home. Well, we've got to get this kiddo identified in the picture if we're going to yeah. use it. So no, no. Um, well, Mr. Cifuentes is in there. Oh, that's the Cifuentes. Oh, okay. See, he knew Cifuentes also. I can't remember, but he would mention Cifuentes' last name, Mr. Cifuentes. I think that uh, it's the same person that lived. When we were living at the Meadowbrook project, housing project, there was this Fuentes that moved in and my dad knew him. And he said that they were, they grew up knowing each other. Because I, I don't know of any other Cifuentes, I'm sure they're in a bunch now, but at that time it was him, this Cifuentes and his family. They lived for a while in that Jaime's, Jaime's Mexic Spanish Village restaurant? Jaime's. That's where, they, where he lived. Oh, you mean the Spanish? Yeah, Jaime, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Abeta, the Senor Abeta. My, see, my dad knew them also. I remember Mr. Abeta. And but before I, it was a restaurant, they lived in that house. And the one in the corner. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think that's true. I think, I mean, I think, I remember my dad talking about that. Because he, he, knew, he knew the Abetas, which were the people that owned that restaurant. And then he knew the, well, he knew all the restaurant owners, like Jacinto Restaurant, on, on, I guess it's a Schlitz, Schultz Garden. Oh, Schultz Garden, a German beer garden. Yeah, yeah. I think that, Over. I used to live right next door to it, I was so lucky. <laughs> I liked, I, I used to like it a lot. I don't know, it's changed so much now, but I knew Schultz Garden back Golly, back in the 60s, in the 60s. A lot of university kids went there, you yeah. know, and, and I know my high school always has their reunions yeah. there. Yeah, there? Yeah. God, that's a great place. <laughs> well, I live right north of it where the controller's office is, I think, their office. Oh. Right across the street. There used to be a huge house there that I was renting it. And I didn't have heating. I didn't have gas. I was a poor artist. But I, I made sure I paid the rent. I used to I used to lie down and I had a, like a hot plate, and I had to like this. I, I propped it up. I had it. Oh my I gosh! Played, I <laughs> it was funny. Though. It was it was something. How old were you at the time? I guess in my early twenties. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> well, well, you do what you have to do to well, keep yeah. alive. You know. I'm still here. I already retired from the city, so. And how did, where did your father learn music? Okay, he learned music from this blind person. 
Uh, what was his name? The Rodriguez or Ramirez? No. This man taught him how to play guitar on, uh, oh, maybe it is Ramirez. I, I think that that is the name. Because he, uh, they mentioned that uh, one of the boys uh, played with somebody's band, mm -hmm. a very famous band. Um, and I tried, I, I researched oh, that. Yes, uh-huh. Okay, that was, on, that was my, my father's cousin that lived in Fort Worth. He was also a guitar player. He played with Paul Whiteman's orchestra for, for a period of time. I don't know how long, I didn't get in, into it, but I remember my daddy say that, you know, that guy was able to play with the leading orchestra in Austin. Well, I think this blind man taught my, my father how to play guitar. I, it sounds like Ramirez, I'm not sure. But uh, it's interesting because one time, after we moved to South Austin to Altorf, this person that taught him how to play, they also moved about two, two blocks or so from where we lived. And my dad used to tell me that he's the one that taught him how to play. Well, on my dad's family, a lot of people played music, mainly the guitar. But my dad used to play the mandolin, the, car, the guitar, and the bass fiddle. You know, and, and the bass fiddle, he, he was able to play with St. Edward University Orchestra when they needed a, uh, a musician. Sometimes they didn't have everybody complete for some reason. And they'd ask him to play with them. And uh, he played with a trio with cousins. And other people that he would tell me, but mainly I guess it was I mean, he, he played professional, it was all by ear. He learned by ear. You know, Lidico, I think they call it. Mm -hmm. and, and what, you know, when you, you were talking about when you, you would be in the car and y'all would be going up, up uh, La Vaca, mm -hmm. back on Guadalupe, and you as a kid would be looking out and he'd be telling you these stories, or mm -hmm. this was this and this. What did you see or how did you feel? Well, I remember the Tom Miller tannery because that smelled like crazy, like dead skins, you know. So, uh, and my dad said, well, that's, that's old Tom Miller's skin, uh, what, I forgot. Tannery? Yeah, the tannery, but he said it in Spanish, you know, and we were heading towards university because he'd take us right in up there. And then he would tell me uh, some things that were around, the, before we got to the tannery, he would tell me other things, you know, and then he would mention that on the other side that they had this neighborhood. And the Parque, you know, El Parque Guadalupe. Because that would be mainly when we were coming down. Yes, he le llamaba Parque Guadalupe. El Parque de Guadalupe. Did they ever say Parque Mexicano? No, no he would Guadalupe. always say La Vecindad. Like he would say La Vecindad. Eso no todo vivía en La Vecindad. Not the barrio. El Parco. Well, El Barrio, is, you would say the whole thing. I think the Vecindad would be the neighborhoods, you know, like neighborhoods. Hmm. The whole thing would be the barrio, but the, the vecindad. This would be like a vecindado? Yeah. Vecindado. Right. Okay. Right, like the vicinity, you know. This. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing was, I thought el barrio de los mexicanos, y todos vivían aquí en la diferente vecindad. Vecindad is an enclosed. Uh, well, it's all a matter, it's, you know, it's like you say, you see, see it one way and not see it another. I guess from, for different ways, I mean, for different reasons we, we see it like that. Like now, I see the East Austin, well, 
así la vecindad o el barrio. But to me, la vecindad would be like Montaplas. But now Montaplas is a barrio because it's so big. But then, it, you know, you keep going up the scale. Now you say, well, people that live around Gua Guadalupe Church, that's a vecindad. Then you go Cristo Rey, that's another vecindad. And then you go, what's, what's the other word? Pedernales Street and all that. That's a, Joe's Bakery, that's a vecindad. But Joe's Bakery to me straddles Guadalupe and Cristo Rey. But they're all in the barrio. That's the way I see it, <laughs> you know. Semantics. You know, so yeah, that's, that's the semantics, that's what it is. But I, I mean, that, that's all I remember. I mean, I, a lot of the things that they come up, you know, he talks about the Capitol Theater, and they used to pay a dime to go to the movies, or nickel. Where was that? At the Capitol Theater. That's like on 6th Street between Colorado, where the old post office is. The post old post the, the old, old post office. The old, old one, yeah. On Colorado, and then you got the Hancock Theater. Well, that's what they called it when he was a kid. When I grew up, it was the Capitol Theater. We used to pay a dime to go in there. Then you had the shoe shop. I barely remember that one. Then you have what, Woolsworth here in the corner on 6th and Congress? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was Woolsworth. Then over here was Scarborough. But I remember he talked about the, the Ritz, the Capitol Theater, there was a place called the Tavern, which you walk downstairs and, and there was a big beer tavern down there. Well, he mentioned that during, right after the war, and during the war, a lot of soldiers went there. Hmm. You know, and, and one thing that he remembers, when they finished, I guess somehow or other they'd get the label, they could throw it up against the wall and it stick. Somehow or other. <laughs> and that's one thing that he remembers. Another thing that he said during the war, he tried several times to join the service, but he, he couldn't. Because he was flat-footed and he had broken his, his wrist. Mm -hmm. He tried the Army, they wouldn't take him. He tried the Navy, they wouldn't take him. And they told him, because you're flat-footed and you, and, and you have had, had a broken wrist. Well. And I also remember, I guess it was in 19, like 40, 40 something, 45, I guess, that's when the war was over anyway. By that time we were living on, on Jewel and South Fifth, and, and this is like a dream to me. He was at the door leaving, he had his hat on, and he always wore a hat and, and a top coat, and he was heading toward Dallas. And he was telling my mother goodbye, you know. And that I remember like a dream, because it, it, it happened. But I was a kid, I must have been about seven or eight, I would say six. And uh, and that's when he went to Dallas, look for work, you know. Another thing I, well, in those days, when I say those days, it was like the 50s. That was after, whole, whole time after this. I guess y'all are primarily wanting the information on this. Yeah, well, that's about all I have. I just remember things like like Caruso's Cafe, he talked about that on 6th Street. I remember that place. And uh, he said a lot of people went to eat there. And that was there when he was, he was living here. Theoretically, he was living here, but I don't know with who. Gotta be one of his aunts, because he didn't know my mother then. He must have met her right after. 
did he uh, mention Maestro Guerrero or Carrion? Were they? Uh, they were tutors. Uh, they lived in the neighborhood, or they were well known in the neighborhood, and they used to give lessons after school. I don't know if they were mm -hmm. uh, music or yeah. what. He just says tutors. See, I want to think that this Guerrero was a guitar teacher. I mean, in the sense that, you know, Señor Guerrero da lecciones, él sabe la guitarra. So this would have been the blind, the blind, blind person. teacher? Yeah, that's what I want to think. Because, see, he had a son that had a, a limp arm, a handicap arm. Hmm. And I grew up with him, kind of like, I remember in high school. And his father, I found out his father was blind. And I found out that his father was the one that taught my father to, to play the guitar, because hmm. I had asked my father about him. Did he know this person that was living down about two or three blocks? I think, it's, I think it was three blocks. And he said, yeah, he's the one that taught me the guitar. I said, well, he lived right down the street. Well, my dad didn't know because he always the type that mind his own business, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he didn't even know. Huh? He didn't know. He didn't know until I told him because I was going to school with this guy's son, and I think I'm all sure it's Guerrero. That's what I wanted to say a while ago, but then I saw Ramirez. I said, but no, wait a minute. It's Guerrero. I think it was Guerrero because he was a, he was the music teacher, but he mentioned the. Well, he mentions about dances, you know, I think the U.S. Fiesta, he, he mentioned about the dances, he mentioned dances, but he never mentioned where they happened. But he said they used to go to dances, you know, and... And did he talk about the chi the chileria? Well, the chileria, he's ahí trabajan todos los mexicanos, you know, that's about it. You can it. speak in Spanish. Huh? If, if it's more comfortable, go ahead and speak well, in no, Spanish. Well, no, I speak, I, the way I'm speaking is comfortable. Okay. I speak both ways. Okay. You know, I'm speaking in Spanish, and some, when I sometimes I switch to Spanish because I'm going way back in time. For some okay, reason, that's okay. <laughs> you know, I understand what you're saying. It's just automatic. Yeah. Would he? Would y'all buy those products? I did. I don't know who anybody else did, but I did. They all stick chili products. I, I think they moved to Houston. Well, primarily I'd buy the powder. That's what I'd buy, and the and the chili beans, because I like them. And would you, in your home, would your father, would, would he buy it? Well, my... Your mother? What was your question? Would they buy the Aztec chili? Well, products? they never mentioned it. I don't think so. I, I think that they were more traditional. They, they didn't buy canned things. I mean, they did buy the canned things, but I, I think that a lot of things, that like all the food was made from scratch. Everything was... My dad was a cook, and he knew all kinds of cooking things, and my mother knew some, you know, but not, I think my dad knew more. Well, Did he, he do the cooking in the family? Yeah, well, a lot of things. He cooked at St. He do. Yeah, he, he did a lot of cooking. In those days, they could bring home food that was left over, ah. you know, and but he'd do it, he'd cook, you know, during holidays, he did all the cooking. Hmm. Christmas, you know, we'd all make tamales. That was everybody. And uh, the buñuelos and everything that goes with it. But primarily, he did a lot of things. Well, the, here's the thing about it. My dad and my mother, they were 50-50, a lot of, lot of things. Even though I kind of felt in some things my dad was, had more say, you know, and in some things my mother. And it, it, was, and it was like that most of the time. 
I think that uh, my mother would always mention and did think that what she remember her grandmother. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, but I think the cooking, I think it was more my dad. He had more more experience. It was interesting because I, uh, I remember that, but specifically I don't remember. It just kind of, you know, everything we ate was either rice and beans and tortillas homemade and meat homemade. Well, I remember another thing about when my dad was working, every Saturday he'd buy barbecue and they used to wrap in kind of red paper and every Saturday he'd buy that and bring it home and we'd all eat, eat barbecue and I think, he, I don't know where he bought it. I, I kind of want to say on the east side somewhere. Uh, I can't remember. I know Guajardo had a lot of things. I remember when we were living on the east side, I used to go to Guajardo's and uh, it was like going into a enchanted place because it was like the old time groceries. Everything was there, you know, and, and real. Uh, and they were packed. People would come all over the place, always to their Guajardos. And then after I grew up, even, uh, I would say, right before they closed, I was still, the Guajardo little by little was going out. And then I remember my dad, well, they need the Casares on 7th Street, green and white. They opened that store when I was born, 1941. And I knew all the senior Casares, and then I got to know their son. And I, I know that uh, we used to go to that store every so often, but it was too far away, it was on 7th Street. And we lived close to 11th, <laughs> just a couple of blocks, you know, but it was too far away, you know. So, but you know, it's real interesting because I, now, that, now that I'm here speaking with y'all about this time, I really remember I remember 11th Street and Lydia and Guadalupe Church, uh, and La, I think La Fiesta restaurant or La, La Fiesta was there, and La Tapatia was on 6th Street, I think. I remember that my dad knew that Gonzalez, and I remember I liked the Tapatia a lot because I, I used to like the chile relleno. They had it real good, and, and all these people my dad would talk about that he knew you know, when he was younger and as they grew, as he was growing up, he was talking about all these people that, a lot of them were in the restaurant business and the food, you know. And uh, I think that he primarily, up to about, well, I guess in the middle of my high school years, he was in the cooking, you know, he was doing cooking. Then after that, he went into other things. He wasn't cooking, and then he went into plumbing. He was doing plumbing, and he set up this laundry, big laundry. He did all the plumbing and set it all up. I don't know where he learned that. Huh. And then I remember for a while he worked as a truck driver. Before he became a plumber, he was working for Longhorn Cleaners. Do you know where the hole in the wall is on, on Guadalupe Street? Uh-huh. Well, that used to be a cleaners. Oh. And, yeah, <laughs> and he worked for them for a period of while. Because I remember I, he showed me, and I used to, he was driving a, a panel truck. And then he worked at uh, a laundry on uh, on, six, on 15th in, in La Vaca. It was called the, I think it was a Capital Laundry or the Austin Laundry. No, the Austin Laundry. It was a humongous place. 
Well, he was running the boiler. He was a maintenance man and all the plumbing. I don't know where he learned that, you know. <laughs> he was running boilers. Then he worked over here on Congress. I mean, on, on Barton Springs, there was a capital cleaners and, and laundry. And he was doing all their maintenance. Then he worked at, got a job at Camp, Camp Gary doing the same thing, plumbing and maintenance. See, these things, I don't know where he, where he picked up all this. I think he must have got on the job training. And he, he, had, a curi he had a curious mind. Mm -hmm. He wasn't afraid to hit him back out of a lot of things about learning and trying things, you know. Well, he wasn't modern like my mother. My mother was more modern. Uh, he was more traditional and, and the, the old values, you know, and he kept them alive more than, and my mother was different. She, she was, the way she was raised by, by her grandmother, her grandmother taught her, taught her and mine how to read English. She taught them how to, how to write English. This was in Laredo. And uh, her mother was, Kind of one of the first Mexicanos in Laredo that started dressing like the 20s, you know, the flappers and all that. <laughs> uh -huh. And she wanted progress. She wanted a progressive woman. She owned a little store, the Tendita, uh -huh. you know. And all of those things I didn't hear from my dad. He was, he would speak about the family in Mexico. He would speak about his cotton picking days and the hard time he had was his mother, you know, she got sick and she was always real sick. Then he had to take her here and they're trying to find a, a doctor to cure her, but he could never find one. Did he ever mention a, a, a doctor, Alberto Garcia? Mr. Garcia, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Can I think he was a well-known doctor here in Austin. Yeah. And uh, he mentioned him a lot. I think that people, a lot of people, he probably, his family and him went, went there. He mentioned him. And another Ben Garza, I think Ben Garza. Meat market. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at the there was a JRE Music Company here on Congress, mm -hmm. and I think one of the managers there was a Mexicano. He uh, he knew my dad also when they were young. Well, I have this I have this thing in my mind that I've gotten more from my dad than my mother. When I talk about Mexicans, I've always talked about, when I say Mexicano, I mean all Mexicans. Mm -hmm. I don't mean Mexican-Americans or Mexican nationals. When I say Mexicano, I just, I'm talking about Mexicanos in general. You know, everybody's a Mexicano and, and there are Mexicans, Americans, and then Mexican nationals. And then if I'm talking about someone from Mexico, I say, well, but this is Mexicano de Mexico. <laughs> no es mexicano de aquí. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the way I, I, I distinguish him. And my dad, well, he, that's the way he spoke. He didn't, he didn't distinguish, you know, the border. The, you know, there's a border there. You got Mexican-Americans and you got Mexicans over there. He always talked about Mexicans as Mexicans, you know. We're all the same, you know, if we're over there or over here. But uh, I think that uh, he, he was kind of like, he, he was, my father became an orphan, I think, when he was 13, and after that, most of his mind was survival. He, he thought more about going to work, having a job, and, and didn't, uh, he didn't get into much into politics, you know, like, 
he'd read the paper, and well, after we grew up, I remember he'd read the paper or, or listen to the radio some, but he probably read the paper, and that was it. Hmm. And uh, my mother and I, well, we kind of grew up when TV first came out, and there was always a lot of space between main programs, and they had a, a, all kinds of activities, you know, like dancers or singers or something. What I remember, we used to sit there and look at him, my mother and I, and my dad was at work. He'd come home. Well, the first thing I did was take his shoes off, take his socks off, you know, and I'd bring him something, I'd make him comfortable. That was the way I was raised, you know, and... How old were you at the time? I was a teenager. Hmm. Yeah, my dad came... See, we all had, we all had duties. My duty was shine everybody's shoes, uh, iron their clothes on Saturday morning. So every Saturday morning, I would iron the clothes. It was already starched. I'd open it all up and I'd wet it with water and I'd put it back in all in a little bunch and I'd sit by the window, turn the radio on, I'd listen to the Globetrotters. <laughs> you know, that music and, and then I'd start ironing and then I'd listen to Easy Listening. And I grew up kind of like listening to that. Well, I think I got that a lot from my mother and my dad. They were, they were responsible and always teaching us how to, you know, how to do this thing. My mother always said, well, you don't know who you're going to marry. I'll teach you how to do it, how to cook, how to sew, <laughs> you know. Well, and I, your shirt is impeccably yeah. pressed. <laughs> well, I mean, I noticed that. Well, well. That's because I got that from my dad. See, he had a cleaners at one time. He, run, he, he opened the cleaners. Except he got real sick, he had to close it. But he opened the cleaners and we were always ironed. Because, like I tell you, he worked at a laundry and cleaners area, you know, and everything was always, everybody had their clothes always ironed. So I, I, I was sending my, I sent my clothes to the laundry every so often. <laughs> Since I retired, I quit doing it. But when it's I was expensive. working, I, I was, yeah, it's expensive. And it's gotten more expensive, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, that's why I always get, I have my clothes ironed. When you look at my pants, so they, I, I don't have them ironed. That's just, I don't iron them too often. But my, that's one thing I remember about my dad. He was always clean. Always, every time we'd go to mass or go to church, he was always dressed and wore a suit. And that was just normal, you know. And this thing about, me taking taking his shoes off and bringing him coffee and, and getting him relaxed. He had one of these lazy boys, and then he'd sit there and just look at TV. You know, at the time that we went, well, the TV came later, but I guess he'd read his paper, and that's when that, and I did that because that's the way they taught me. It's very it, nice. It didn't bother me. It was just very nice. something I did every day. That's very nice. You know, so. Well, do you have any other things you want to tell us? Cause no, I, I'd have to do more research myself. Well, maybe oh. maybe you'll um, yeah. be remembering if you come up with any more yeah. memories, because I think this is really important. Yeah, you know I mean, what I've given us. I I feel like I've I've kind of see a lot more. Mm -hmm. You know what I can do also is find out real soon about. I I get in touch with my Masia family, and and ask them about. You know, I'll show them this map and see what they have on there. Because the, oh, the old land's already passed away. <laughs> they, they, they couldn't tell me. Uh, it would be probably my, my cousin Pete Sally. and his wife Sally, yeah. Because she made it, she, she digs in, she's dug into a lot of the uh, history. 
not only here in Austin, I mean, on my dad's family in uh, Seeley, Texas, there, a lot of them live there. And uh, she, she, every, every, that's what she does. She, she likes to do that. So I'll, I'll find out more information because when I saw this, I didn't know, I kind of, I didn't really know that this existed, this neighborhood. You know, and, and then he started, once I started asking him questions, I started listening. And uh, I didn't know that. The only thing I knew was the chili factory, the, the, the tannery, the Caruso's. And of course, over here I knew about this area. But I didn't know that the church and, and the school and all this was here. You know, other people that you know, um that you know grew, grew up in Austin. Have you ever talked about this before? Well, not seriously. We never sit down and talk about it. I, I don't think I can, I can say that I really have. Because it's, it's not on our mind, you know what I mean? I don't think, unless there might be somebody doing a study, pro primarily the people I talk to were They'll say things like, over here on Congress, you go Congress Bridge across, there used to be a store called the Big Bear. I don't know if you remember that. Uh -uh. I think it's the Embassy Hotel there now. Well, there used to be a big store. That was a, a big, all neighborhoods went there to buy, everybody. Well, on this side where there's another big hotel, Hyatt, I think, I don't know. The Radisson. The Radisson? Oh, the Hyatt, yeah. The Hyatt, yeah. Well, that area, I didn't know till my brother told me the other day, there used to be a cement company down there. And I huh. barely started thinking about it, and I barely remember it. Because the trucks, there's a place in the corner was tropical furniture. And you had to go around and go downstairs, well, go to the bottom. <laughs> and, uh, the, and I barely remember trucks down there and stuff with cement. The only cement company I remember was Centex over here on Lamar and uh, West First. I think they're building a, oh, they already built a big place. And I, and, and I talked to people, I said, yeah, I remember that. I, I rem but this, this is just when I grew up. Now, on my father's side, I think everything that, it would have to be a, a much, much older person in their 80s. You know, because I'm 71, I mean, people that had been there 80s, I mean, they're 10 years back. Mm -hmm. They probably remember, you know. I'm sure Modesta, Modesta also has a lot of information because she grew up on, on the Chalmers Court area. And I think some of the people that she knows also have a lot of, well, it's all connected, you know, everybody's mm -hmm. got some, some kind of mm -hmm. input. But you know what I'll have to do is get it with my cousins and, and ask them That'd about things. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be a good source. Well, thank you. Okay, well, I enjoyed it. Golly. Thank you so much for coming sure. in and talking with us. Sure, I'm glad that y'all asked me because it, it it opened my eyes also more, just like last night. Last night was a good meeting because it started getting better, but you know, time runs out. It's always like that. It ought to be good in the very beginning to slack off, but this is different. But this is good. Well, I think I, we're just kind of, this is only the mm -hmm. tip of the iceberg. Oh, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. We're doing a mi very mini exhibition. Yeah. Because it's only in this space, but yeah. we're, I think we're, this, well, is a, this is a jewel of a map. Yeah. Probably the, I don't know, I think it's the only visual record yeah. that exists. 
Well, it might I be. I think you're right, and it'd be great to talk with mm -hmm. other people mm -hmm. if you know of anyone yeah. who can help fill in the blanks, yeah. any kind of memories yeah. they have. Well, I know I know people that that go way back also from from my dad's side here. Like I said, my dad more grew here than my mother, and I can ask them and find out more. I'll start with my cousins and my sias. Terrific. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. We'll thank end the you. interview now. This was good.